Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Hello, friends. My name is Pastor Cody, and welcome back to Voice of the Church. And today we're going to be continuing in our series here in the book of Exodus. And today we're going to be speaking about the birth of Moses, the mediator that the Lord sent to deliver Israel from the land of Egypt. So I'd like to read together with you the opening verses of Exodus chapter 2. Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. She placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. And his sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the river bank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby, and he was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Isn't it such a joyful time when a baby is born? Both parents can be overwhelmed by this precious gift of life from God. There's tired smiles and warm support as the baby lies snuggled away, save with his or her parents. Exodus 2 tells a story of the birth of such a child. But this normally joyous occasion is clouded over with fear. Israel was in a time of suffering and death. They were slaves in Egypt. Now all the baby boys who were born were to be killed in the Nile. And if something did not change soon, they would all perish in Egypt. As we covered last week, this narrative does not take place in a peaceful time. What normally ought to be a joyful occasion, the birth of a son, is instead stressful and worrisome. Story unfolding is not pleasant. Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, had given commands to all his people that whenever a son is born to the Hebrew nation, he is to be thrown into the Nile to drown. It's a terrible decree. God's people had come under the full and direct attack of the world around them. The people through whom God would fulfill his covenant promises to Abraham and ultimately through whom our Lord and Savior Jesus would come as the complete fulfillment of the blessing of Abraham to the world is being threatened. Nothing less than the complete plan of salvation that God had for those whom he loves was being threatened. Imagine living in a place where the very identity of your child is enough for the authorities to come and take him away and kill him. What a bittersweet moment to realize you're expecting. Gift of life from God, the giver of life, and yet a gift could be so easily swept away by an oppressive enemy. 
But as we considered last week, the plans of God are far beyond the will of man. It's nothing but folly. And in the birth of Moses, we find an example of how the Lord and his wisdom turns the will of man upside down. The plans of man for children are as of nothing compared to what the Lord will plan. Exodus 2 tells us that the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him. That's a rather interesting sentence. We read that a mother decided to save her son because he's fine. He's beautiful. But what mother doesn't think their child is the most beautiful baby to be found? The midwives were willing to risk their lives to save the children of others, how much more so for a mother who had just given birth? No, my friends, there's something greater at work here. And if you turned to Acts chapter 7, you'd find Stephen's speech before the high priest, and he also recounts this tale. He says that Moses was born and he was beautiful in God's sight. And the author of Hebrews includes his parents in chapter 11, writing, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Faith, beauty in the sight of God. There's a divine element to Moses' birth. The word that our Bible translates as fine here is the same word used at the very beginning in Genesis to describe God's creation, what he saw was very good. We can know that the Lord's telling his people a new era, an era of recreation, of new life, had come. The time of suffering would soon be over, for a deliverer has been born. He would deliver them from Egypt. And we see here how the Lord preserves his deliverer. In the first place, the mother gave birth to the son and hid him for three months. For if the baby was found, the Egyptians would certainly take the boy away. And this would have been significantly more difficult for Moses' parents in Egypt than it might be for us today. Now, by God's providence, they managed to keep Moses quiet enough to remain hidden for three months. As Moses grew, however, so did his voice. It's becoming clear that, despite their best intentions, their beloved baby boy would not be safe in their home any longer. What anxiety they must have experienced. With their baby having been kept safe in the home for a dozen weeks, only now be given up for death and thrown into denial. But they came up with a clever plan. Pharaoh's decree would win out after all, but not without a caveat. The baby would certainly end up in the Nile, but not to drown. She got a basket for him to lay in and made it waterproof. The word for basket here is actually the same word used in Genesis to describe Noah's ark. This particular word, in fact, is only used in the Bible to describe Noah's ark and Moses' basket. Moses was kept from the waters of the Nile by floating safely in the little ark, just as Noah and his family were kept from the waters of the flood by floating safely in a massive ark. And what happened next is a demonstration of God's will being enacted even despite the will of man. For Pharaoh's very attempts to destroy the people of Israel would provide the path for deliverance. His wicked program to end the line of Abraham would be obstructed by God, who used Pharaoh's own daughter to bring it about. 
A member of Pharaoh's own household would be the instrument for God's plan to draw this child out of water. Last week, we considered the folly of man as something that man would so readily continue down, that mankind would only harden himself in his own sinfulness, in his own rebellion. Even when faced with the prospect of blessing, man would reject it and even strive to remove it from others. It's therefore a beautiful thing to see here that all of man's foolish plans, they count for nothing when the Lord's enacting his own plan. And that's a very important perspective for us to maintain when considering plans for the future. For the plans of man mean nothing compared to the plans of the Lord. We can hear of the developments in the world, we can hear discouraging news, and we can become downtrodden. But the plans of the man are also in the hand of the Lord. And those plans of man will not stop him from delivering his people from bondage to sin into everlasting life. They'll not prevent the gospel of salvation from being proclaimed. They'll not prevent the children of God from growing in faith. So we don't know exactly what the future holds, but we do know its outcome. The triumph of Christ and the redemption of his people. And we see a glimpse of this ultimate outcome also in our text and the outcome from Moses. Moses is the only name given to a person in this narrative. Nobody besides the child is named. And here at the end of the text, we find his name, a name given to him by the daughter of Pharaoh. And what a name it is. Moses means drawn out. We see from the very beginning of his life, Moses is being prepared for and equipped to draw the people of Israel out of the iron fist of Pharaoh. Moses would be reminded that he was saved from death by his very first adventure on the Nile every time his name was said. Indeed, the next narrative in the Bible tells the story about how Moses attempted to help his fellow Israelites. So it's clear he never forgot his origins. In time, Moses would live up to his name and be the instrument the Lord used to draw his people out of Egypt. In the same way, we draw so much comfort from the name of our Lord Jesus. From birth, he's known as the one who would save his people, Jesus, Savior. And he lived up to his name so much more so than Moses. He didn't act before his time like Moses did. He didn't question the Lord like Moses did, but he submitted perfectly to his will. And his final act of suffering on the cross, laying down his life, would prove the ultimate fulfillment of his name, Savior, saving us from all our sins. And that's the hope we have. We have a deliverer who's saved us from sins, who's adopted us into the royal household to be the children of God. He's drawn us out of a world condemned to sin and has set us to be his chosen people to live with him forever and ever. Cling to Christ, your deliverer, and seek your name and identity in him. In him, you're in the royal household and have been named Christians, called to imitate Christ. Thus concludes our devotion on Exodus chapter 2. And next week we hope to look at the story of the burning bush. But until then, I wish you all an enjoyable rest of the week.